Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome to The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers go one and one since the last time we did a show, Jesse. Uh, we'll get to the Penn State game. We'll talk, obviously, about Indiana as well. Also, have a very special guest. It is Max Klesmitz, who has just been on fire the last four games, really five of the last six. We'll get to all the stuff that he has done here these, these last couple of weeks and uh, get his take on why it's happening. And also that little incident with the with Indiana and the uh, elbow that he took to the face. We'll get to all that with him as well. Uh, Jesse, I'd like to, we, I think we do need to start with him though. We'll, we'll talk to him in a little bit, but we need to start with what he's done here these last four games, 19 and a half points per game. He's shooting 70% from three. He's been in double figures five of the last six. Can you recall a situation or a guy that's been this hot in Wisconsin history? Like it's, it's really tough. You go back, uh, Brandon Harrison, who, uh, is the, the SID, the sports information director for the basketball department, uh, sent out a tweet. Monday morning saying that it's the second his 20 straight points against Indiana the other night the second longest streak by a player since I think 2017 18 at least it's uh it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do yeah I'd like to think Frank Kaminsky had a stretch like this at some point in his national player of the year run and maybe a couple other guys but to get 20 straight to play the way that he is especially in the second half when he's just blowing up it's fun to watch I honestly there's there's nothing more fun to watch in college basketball than one guy just absolutely taking over a game where every shot he puts up sends the arena into hysterics. And that's what ended up happening against Indiana. Wisconsin had that game won probably anyway, but uh, he just stepped on their throat and, and that was it. And it didn't matter where he shot it from, whether it was curling off a screen from Carter Gilmore and getting fouled on a three or going up with his left hand at the rim. It's so fun to watch. And, he showed that he was capable of this, certainly in high school and at Wofford, but to do it at this level consistently is uh, a joy to watch. I'm not sure I would agree with you about the, they had game one without what he did. Um, they went, it was 49, 42. They had like Indiana had like a nine Oh run. And that's when Max went off. Uh, I know he'd hit a couple of threes before that, but then he, then he went off for, what was it? Uh, 14, straight and and built that lead back up into the 20s i'm not I'm, I'm not saying they wouldn't have won the game but what he did in that situation was pretty important oh very much so yeah i'm I'm thinking of the i mean the first couple threes that he hit wisconsin had a double digit lead but you're right indiana made a quick run and all of a sudden a game that felt like it should be totally out of hand wasn't and klesman deserves a ton of credit for finishing it off um and indiana just <laughs> Giving up 91 <laughs> points. Uh, that's <laughs> not the Indiana that I think we grew up watching. But and also a side note, unbelievable to me that Wisconsin has now beaten Indiana 20 consecutive times at home, which is the longest streak uh, in terms of going on the road for Indiana and losing uh, in program history. Just awesome. I, I can't wrap my head around that. But I want to say this, this game. Yeah, amazing. I want to say this. I want to say the second longest is like 12. It's like uh, the, I think they went to Purdue like and had lost like 12 straight at Purdue at one point. It might have been. Think, go ahead. I think they said it was 19, but it was like 100 years ago. <laughs> OK. All right. So, uh this is now the longest uh, losing streak at one uh, venue for Indiana in, in program history. 
but uh, Wisconsin has just had Indiana's number. And this was, a, I, I mentioned this on the last uh, time we talked, but I thought this was a really important game for Wisconsin because the Badgers were coming off a subpar performance and a loss at Penn State, and now they've got to go at Minnesota, and they're playing Michigan State at home. So to get the good vibes again, very important for a Wisconsin team that's now sitting at 14-4 and four overall and leading the Big Ten at 6-1. and one. Just going back to that 20 straight, this program once lost 31 straight times to Indiana. They went close to a decade. Uh, actually, I think it was more than a decade without beating Indiana. Obviously, Bob Knight as their coach, and in that stretch, they won a couple of national championships. But 31 straight, and now they've beaten Indiana 20 straight at the Kohl Center. It's not like Wisconsin hasn't had any success down in Bloomington during this stretch either. They've been, they have more than held their own down there too. So it's it's crazy. I would love to go back to the 1996, which is uh, the last year that Wisconsin lost, uh, or that when that 31 game streak was broken. Uh, I think that was the last year. I think they broke it in '97, maybe. Uh, I would love to go back and like tell an Indiana fan that they're not going to win at at Wisconsin 20 straight times. Like here, <laughs> like a team that you have just absolutely owned and just beaten down to a pulp for uh, you know a decade plus is all of a sudden going to have your number. And obviously, Wisconsin teams ha- Wisconsin's teams have been really really good, and some of the Indiana teams that have been really good haven't actually come to the. Cole Center on certain years. They may, maybe that's some of it too, but Wisconsin's just been really, really good for much of the last 20 plus years. I mean, go just getting close to 25 plus years now. So I would say that uh, the 20 straight is just an incredible number. And anybody that uh, grew up watching Wisconsin basketball against Indiana, it's still, you kind of still have to like pinch yourself a little bit. Like, is this, is this real? Because you, again, I know Indiana is not the program it once was, but it's still what you would consider a blue blood in the sport and they have Wisconsin just dominate them when they've come to the Cole center. So um, yes, very impressive performance offensively for Wisconsin and Max Klesman was a part of that. Do you think he can keep it going? I'm not going to say no. (laughs) I'll, I'll wait until he starts missing some shots, but even then he'll probably hit the next one. He will. And I, I think it's just remarkable that what he's done, uh, because of what we were talking about like four games ago. Remember the the first half of the Ohio State game? We read off that tweet, I think the last show we did, or maybe the show before that. Maybe it could have been Temple and Heilpern as well. It's All these shows are starting to blend together for me. But um, someone was like, I don't understand what Max, Max gives them that John Blackwell can't. Why is he? Why is John Blackwell not starting in, in Klesman is? And then as soon as that tweet sent, all of a sudden Klesman has gone off these, these last four games. It's been, it's been crazy. And again, I don't anticipate it. I don't, I don't anticipate him hitting 70% of his three-pointers the rest of the way. But you certainly have to ride it while you can because you've had some other guys maybe not shoot it as well. Uh, of late so he has been a huge part of that offense what Wisconsin has done these last these last four games and certainly still giving them something defensively that said going back to the Penn State game the the defense I mean they they were north of 1.2 points per possession they scored 83 points and they still lost how big of a concern should this defense be because it's not and we we asked I asked Max about this, and he he pointed to the Penn State game and the Providence game and the Arizona game. But I think you could also point to the Indiana game too in the second half when Indiana I think was north of one point six points per possession. The goal is one, you know, keep them under one. I, it's I don't know how realistic that is these days on a regular basis, but they have not been at that level here a ton. Uh, looking at the metrics for Wisconsin at this point, and it's gotten bad because of the last few games, but. They are the uh, 
efficiency-wise, the worst defense of the Ken Palm era for Wisconsin. And uh, that goes back to the 2000-2001 season. Yeah, that is a tremendous concern, I think. The two biggest coming into the week for me, based on what we'd seen, were the, the defense and then turnovers, especially for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of possessions. In part, that's what makes what they're doing offensively even more remarkable. But defensively, they've slid in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency in the Ken Palm ratings from 35th week or two ago to 50th now because of what's happened the last couple of games. Now, I, I have to give Penn State's guards in particular a ton of credit. Kanye Cleary ended up with 27. Ace Baldwin had 20, and those guys were felt like making some tough shots, but those quick athletic guards have given Wisconsin trouble, and you have to wonder what's going to happen when they play guys with similar skill sets moving forward. Um, so I, I, it's got to be a concern. I, the good news for Wisconsin is that unlike – other Badgers teams we've seen last year comes to mind. They're able to overcome some of that because of their scoring ability, but you don't want to get in a shootout and I'm projecting ahead to the NCAA tournament, a, a shootout where it's in the eighties and it could go either way. You want to be able to dictate as much as you can about the game. So it's got to be a big concern moving forward. Well, and I get, I guess I very, I mean, we we've talked about all the differences, how good they've been offensively and some of the things they changed to be better offensively. And, you know, that has obviously been the story to this point, how much better they are. There's talk about Ken Palm. They're, they're very high up when it comes to, to offensive adjusted efficiency. What is different defensively? I think is the question, because it's almost the same group, very similar to the offense outside of adding, you know, Blackwell and store and, and, and Nolan winter, you're taking away Jordan Davis. You're entering some of these other guys in. And it's not like they were amazing defensively. They finished 19th last year. Um, it was at uh, 94.1, which is points per 100, possess 100 possessions. Right now, they're at 99.9. Um, what do you think the difference is? Why? I, I, and here's the other thing. Like, I think they, I think they can get back to what they were last year. I think they, they've shown flashes of being able to do it this year. But I think it does have to be a little bit of a concern at this point. And Greg Gard, I think, has. Uh, certainly indicated that for him. He, they they know that they have to get better on that end. I wish I had the answer as to why it has fallen off the way that it has. Um, maybe you can write a story. Maybe you can write a story about that. And see if it gets published in the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> I it's hard to say because um, I don't think you can put it on any single player. Like they've got. And we talked about this last week, but how many guys that are on the court would you say, I feel pretty comfortable with that matchup defensively? Like Chucky Hepburn against anybody has been a really good defender. Same with Max Klesman. And I mean, it should be pointed out, particularly for the Penn State game, Max was in foul trouble, ended up playing 15 minutes. So that probably contributed some to that. But John Blackwell's been really good defensively too. So I don't know the reason. Uh, it's a, probably a question for Greg and, and what his perspective on it is I suppose the good news is, and this is really a fascinating dichotomy here of what has developed this season. You talk about how it's the worst defensive efficiency that Wisconsin has had. I was just going through the adjusted offensive numbers for Wisconsin. And we were talking a couple weeks ago about how it was the fourth most efficient offense that Wisconsin had had. And the Badgers have somehow gotten even better the last couple of weeks. And now based on the numbers, this is actually the second best offensive efficiency group 
that Wisconsin has had, surging past the 2010-11 team and the 2013-14 Final Four team and trailing only the 2014-15 team, which is, I think you and I would agree, the greatest Wisconsin basketball team of the modern era. So it's it's amazing. They've gotten unbelievable in terms of offensive efficiency, but on the other end, the defense has sort of plummeted here of late, and they're going to have to figure that part out if they want to make a deep run in the tournament. I don't think it's unlike kind of some of the things that that 13-14 team went through. I remember going up to Minnesota that year, and they just couldn't – I mean, they they struggled, struggled with um, ball screens and could not slow them um, – the dribble penetration on, on a lot of that from the top of the key. I remember they, and I think uh, Frank got in foul trouble, but they gave, they, they couldn't stop it. They, they, and then when Frank got on the bench, they didn't have anybody behind him to step in. I think Evan Anderson was asked and just, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen. They had a stretch in that one because then you come back. I don't know if you remember this or not. You probably do. We had availability either the next day. It must've been the next day. And, I think it was slated for like whatever time it was, like three o'clock and four thirty rolls around. They're still not out of the film room. And cause, cause Bo had kept them in there. And then Sam Decker came out and just laid into the team, like, and, and took them to task. And, um, I, I, I certainly don't think that that was the, the flashpoint for them turning things around and being better defensively, but it, it certainly stood out in my mind. It's not like Wisconsin teams that have been really good offensively have always been great defensively that team stands out but if, if Wisconsin if this year gets back to what they were in 13-14 which was 35th in the country 96.1 that to me is is just fine it's it's just fine if you're going to continue to play offense the way that you have yes first of all I very much remember the Sam Decker uh conversation that we had because that's what I consider an all-timer you put up the <laughs> Mount Rushmore of maybe your four best interview sessions where you're looking around going is this really happening? That was <laughs> up there. I don't think Bo was probably too thrilled with what Sam had to say, but it ended up uh, working out for that team. But yeah, I I don't know what to to make of of this group this year defensively, but you know that Greg is going to be going to work on that because it's so important to the principles of Wisconsin and what has made the Badgers successful for so long. And I would also say they have the talent to be way better in that area, too. So if you're a Badgers fan, to me, that at least has to be encouraging. Guys have had good performances, and they've had good performances this year. The Marquette game certainly comes to mind against a team that was third in the country and playing very good basketball. Yes. Again, this is a problem, a much easier problem to fix, in my opinion, than what they were dealing with last year which was yeah. the inability to score. I, I, and I know this is so obvious. And people are like, yeah, you, you're a moron. We, we understand it's obvious. You'd rather have uh, a very good offense and a defense that doesn't show up. But you're going to need, or a defense that maybe isn't elite, but you're going to need your defense at some point because your offense isn't always going to be there. And I know Max talks about that in the interview a little bit, but I would totally agree. You can always, you can always bring your defense wherever you go. Your offense, some nights the ball's not going to go in. We saw that earlier times this year where their three-point shooting, they were not, very good. Um, they were able to score in other ways, so it didn't really matter. And defensively, they were better than they had been early in the season, and it s- certainly helped out. But I, if you're if you're great guard, I feel like while it may be frustrating defensively, it's also a problem that's fixable much more so than what you have uh, going on last year. I would certainly agree with that, and maybe it's the kind of thing where you have one good game, you go to Minnesota, and you play sound defensively, and get back to your principles and start feeling good about yourself and you can carry it forward. But I, I don't think it's, it's interesting because they've had 
12 straight 70 plus point games offensively. But I still think that we're going to see some games that are going to have to be decided in the 60s just because of how we've seen what Big Ten basketball is. I'm just grateful we don't have to see, uh, hopefully, any 36-33 games, <laughs> which, uh, of course, is the probably most infamous Wisconsin basketball game when the Badgers and Penn State played over a decade ago. So I know Wisconsin lost that game this week to Penn State, but at least it was entertaining. There were, yeah, I mean, that, that one stands out, obviously. That, that was in the Big Ten tournament, correct? Yes. They had an NCAA tournament performance where they scored in the 30s, I believe, as well, um, under Dick Bennett. But... Yes, there were there 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 were some there's been some been some tough offensive days going back. But again, I, I just think if you get to the point where the, if you're continuing to have and be as efficient you are offensively the rest of the way, and, and maybe that's not going to end up being the case. But if you can just get back to the level of where you were a few weeks ago, I think you're going to be just fine, and you have an opportunity to make uh, a deep run. I think back to that 13-14 team in terms of different ways to win. At one point, they had won games while playing in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, and 90s in terms of what they scored. Uh, that that game at Virginia that they won was in the 40s, and they also won games while scoring 90-90. So they, they had the ability to, to win in a whole bunch of different ways, and I feel like this team does as well. They just haven't necessarily been asked to do it at this point. Yeah, that was the team, if I'm not mistaken, in the most symbolic uh, moments of to show your team is not very good when the gate came crashing down on the bus on the way out of Minnesota. <laughs> yes. And, uh, Didn't it put yeah, a hole in the side? Didn't it go What's in the that? side? I thought it went in the side. Yeah, like maybe it, it did. I guess if it came down on top, some of the players would have been in big trouble. But yeah. they like they literally could not get out to the airport or something like that because the gate fell on the bus. Yes, so, I remember uh, that. That was yeah, that was a tough trip for them. tough trip for them and then have to come back and sit through an exhaustive video session which i'm sure was extremely extremely um positive from both side probably right (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um all right so wisconsin goes to minnesota on tuesday night it is uh, a start of a stretch that certainly when you look at what wisconsin where wisconsin is at they they dropped one at penn state they kind of gave that Gave one back to Purdue. I think you can make an argument. But Wisconsin's next four against Minnesota, home to Michigan State, uh, at Nebraska, and then home to Purdue. What kind of what kind of record do you think they should be looking at in this this four game stretch? It's a it's an important one, starting obviously with Minnesota. You have some of the teams that are at the bottom of the standings um, or towards the bottom of the standings with Minnesota, but then Michigan State starting to maybe play a little bit better. I know that it wasn't an overwhelming win against Maryland, but uh, playing a little bit better. Nebraska on the road is not going to be easy, and then obviously a huge one against Purdue at home. Well, based on the way Wisconsin is playing, I would say 3-1, and 2-2 two and two at the worst. Um, and to me, it looks like, really feels as though it's a three-team race now for who's going to win the Big Ten based on the log jam and who's emerged atop that Wisconsin right now sitting at six and one Purdue is six and two. And then you have Illinois at five and two, which got uh, its star player back, scored 16 points. And after that, I think it's just a bunch of teams that are kind of going to beat each other up and you don't necessarily know who's going to win on a given night. So, I mean, if Wisconsin's three and one at the end of that stretch and looking at nine and two, you're in really good shape, but even two and two, you're at eight and three. I'm, to me, that Purdue game is uh, going to be really exciting because even though Purdue has a couple losses in Big Ten play that people didn't think was going to happen, that Purdue team is so talented and so complete that 
if the Badgers should happen to win that, I think that's going to be a big deal because you never know what kind of tiebreakers there are going to be. I know those two teams have to play in the regular season finale at Mackey Arena. So I would say two and two, three and one in this stretch. I mean, you just just look at what some of Purdue's wins, right? Gonzaga. Yeah, the best wins in the country in terms of I, your resume. And I know Gonzaga's not necessarily playing Gonzaga basketball at this point, right? Um, they haven't... Uh, they haven't been they haven't been as as good as a lot of people thought they were going to be. But Gonzaga, they beat Tennessee, they beat Marquette, they uh, went and beat um, uh, Arizona. They have a ton of really good wins. Probably the best resume of anybody on. Uh, uh, probably the best resume of anybody in the country. I think you could you could maybe maybe make an argument with their two losses coming at Northwestern and then obviously uh, to Nebraska as well. Yeah, that's going to be a huge one, and you know that they're going to be jazzed up for it. And you look at Wisconsin's schedule, they don't go to Illinois, so they don't have that game looming on their schedule. If they could somehow grab that one from Purdue and go 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh in this slate, you have to feel really, really good about their chances to at least get a share of the title. I would think so. A uh, long way to go, but you keep stacking up these wins and pulling away from some of these teams. What it does, I think, is it gives you a greater margin for error if you do slip up in a game that people think you should win. So Penn state. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a really fascinating run to the finish line here because of the way these top teams are performing, but also because of the way I know it's cliche, but really it does feel like anybody can beat anybody. I mean, Penn state is nine and 10 overall three and five in the big 10 and played a great game against Wisconsin. So it's, uh, that that's the thing. You really do have to bring it every night and going to Nebraska, that's not going to be easy. So I don't know that you can say there's just a guaranteed easy win here during this stretch at all. You got to play well. Right. Yeah. This, this four game stretch, definitely not. You get Michigan at home after that. Maybe that might be the easiest one there, especially with the way that they're playing. They're the, uh, one of two teams overall under 500 this year, though. The other one was Penn state and that, Obviously, didn't go the way Wisconsin was hoping. Uh, you mentioned Illinois getting Terrence Shannon back. Um, <laughs> I know. He, look, you're innocent until proven guilty, right? It felt a little off for them to be giving him a standing ovation when he came in the game. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure you don't have a feeling on that one way or the other, but it it felt a little it felt a little off. I mean, the the punishment. Obviously, he missed games, right? He missed what was it, four or five games, maybe more than that. Uh, in that stretch, but he still was arrested for rape. He still was he's still charged with it. Um, so there are that, that that felt a little tough. Felt a little tough. Yeah, I didn't watch the Illinois Rutgers game, but um, this is the nature of fandom: is you're going to support your people, and we'll have to let that situation play out separately. But just speaking for what it does on the court, um, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, so. Really talented kid. Obviously, averaging over twenty points a game. He missed six games. Uh, again, Wisconsin doesn't go to Illinois, so we'll see uh, how that all looks. But all right, let's get to our interview with Max Klesmitz. Uh, had a good close to twenty minutes with him. Here he is. And we do welcome in a special guest. It is Wisconsin guard Max Klesmitz. Max certainly appreciate the time. Is it fair to call you the hottest shooting guard in the country right now? Um, 
<laughs> I mean, I, I think yeah, one could maybe say that. Uh, you know, I'll take it though. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, Jesse, you played college basketball. Have you ever been on a heater like Max is on right now? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Division three. My career high was ten, and Max eclipsed that in like two minutes. So, <laughs> so no. Thirty in high school though, but no, Max. I have to know what does it feel like to be in a zone like that. Is it like an out of body experience? Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily call it not a body experience. Uh, but it's pretty fun. It's pretty something special to be a part of. Um, but like the thing that really just sticks out to me is like the joy you get out of it, seeing on other guys' faces. Um, it just really makes you appreciate that you know you got a group of guys in your corner that's rooting for you. Um, they want the best for you. You know, I think that's kind of also what's made us pretty successful so far this year is just we're everybody's biggest fans on each, on our team here. So, um, you know, we want the best for everyone. Um, we believe in everybody here that we got. So just kind of that team, team thought, team mentality that we've had so far. But it's been fun. Obviously, these last four games, I think, have jumped out and, and hit people. But you were a really very good scorer in high school. You went down to Wofford and really good scorer for there for two years. What is the difference in coming up here and, and playing and scoring at this level on a night-to-night basis? Or is it just that you have so many other people around you that can do the exact same thing on a nightly basis? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, like you said. You know, uh, I think we got a lot of firepower. We got a lot of you know dogs around, around not just me, but on, on the whole squad here. And, you know, that kind of taps into our bench as well. Um, but, you know, having guys like, you know, Chucky, Steve, Tyler, AJ, um, who draw a lot of attention each game. You know, Steve and Tyler get a lot of attention down low on the block, usually require some type of help or a double. So makes it a little easier for us guards to get better looks and, you know, open threes, kick out threes. But um, when you got a PG like Chucky who can distribute at a really high level, you know, he's taking care of the ball at a career best right now um, in terms of assist-to-turnover ratio. And then, you know, with adding AJ too, just – the attention he gets night in, night out, um, his ability to get to the rim and, you know, just be an explosive offensive player for us kind of opens up the whole floor for different guys each and every night, like you said. One of the things Coach Guard has talked about with you is how important last year was in making that transition from Wofford, that it was a really good year for you to gain some confidence about how to consistently play well in this league at this high of a level. For you, did you feel that confidence as the season went on, or was there a noticeable difference in stepping into play at a place like Wisconsin in, in the Big Ten? Um, I mean, I don't think my confidence never changes. Um, like coming in last year, I would I would call it more of you know just kind of like a bigger role change than it was you know the mentality switch or anything like that. Um, you know, I'm pretty self confident. Many people could probably think that comes off as cockier. Um, arrogant, but, you know, I think it's just kind of the passion, the competitiveness that I have behind it, you know, and, you know, the confidence and belief I have in myself. Uh, but I think it was just, you know, a different role change that kind of, uh, I had to get used to a little bit. Um, you know, obviously I've AAU high school, I wasn't, you know, necessarily around players like, you know, that I'm playing with now. So, it was a little bit of an adjustment just in terms of, you know, there's a lot of really good talent here that we got um, just kind of, you know, finding the groove, you know, getting a feel for each other, how, how it works on the court and things like that. Um, I think it was more of just a feel thing, really more than a confidence thing for me coming in last year. 
Your uh, splits from first half to second half in these four games are kind of crazy. I mean, you go and you had 18, I think all of 18 of your points against Ohio State in the second half. You had 13 against Northwestern. You had 80 or 10 against Penn State in, in the second half. And then uh, on what night was that? Friday night, you know, 23 or 26 came in the second half. Can he, is there any uh, explanation other than more opportunities uh, for you in that, in that, I guess, after halftime? Um, I, I think it's just kind of, you know, letting the game come to me, uh, trying not to rush, you know, the coaching staff and, you know, players around me, they want me to be aggressive at all times. Um, I think we're really good when, you know, my aggression is at a good pace, you know, not out of control or anything like that, but, um, just kind of doing whatever asked of me, really. I've kind of been a second half score a little bit back in high school. Uh, there were a couple times where I had like, 30, 40 point performances in the second half that would uh, give our team a win. But I don't know. I guess it kind of just changes game by game and, you know, the kind of rhythm and flow that we're in. But uh, I don't know. Once you kind of see one goes in, the hoop can get a little bigger. Uh, your confidence can get a little higher. So, um, but really just, you know, trusting all the work that you've put in prior to it um, is the biggest thing for me. You mentioned the confidence that you have and that hasn't really wavered i've been told you're the biggest smack talker in practice you're you're kind of like up there near the top maybe at the top i know you guys go at it pretty frequently but is that something that's always been a part of your game and where do you think that comes from for you yeah i mean i don't know i wouldn't consider it like smack talking all the time at practice um i look at more at as like i'm trying to pull the best out of you um and you know if i gotta you know get into you a little bit I'm going to get into you. Uh, but, you know, certain guys work differently in terms of, you know, how you're going to pull their best out of each other. But um, I think that's just kind of something that I carry with myself, um, you know, trying to make the most of an opportunity. I've always kind of believed in, like, all you need is an opportunity and anything can happen at that point. So um, it's really just I wouldn't consider myself a smack talker. But, you know, like I said, it's that competitive spirit. Um you know, the edge that I kind of play with um, that maybe, you know, sometimes can get misconstrued to some other guys. But I know the 18 or 17 other guys that we got in our locker room, uh, they don't, you know, they don't see it as a, as a harmful thing or anything in practice. But we, like you said, we get after it every day for sure. But I don't want this to sound like I'm the only smack talker we got on the squad. You know, big Steve Crowell's not afraid to mix it up a little bit. Um, you know, we got a lot of other guys, you know, Carter Gilmore, he likes to mix it up a little bit too, but I think, you know, that's just something that like guys kind of got to play with. Like if that's something that gets you going or, you know, that's something that other guys will feed off of. And you know, that you'd be selling yourself and your teammates short if you didn't help them out in that aspect. So, um, I'm definitely not the one we only got. So, um, but I, I would can maybe consider myself the biggest smack talker. Sure. If that's what you want to call it. For sure. I, I remember back against Minnesota, you mentioned Stephen Crowell last year, him getting the the and one and turn around and, and yelling, that guy effing can't guard me. Like those, yeah. you, you, you love that out of your, I assume you love that out of a guy oh, like for Steve, sure. right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, that's what like, it, that gets me going more than like me having, you know, to say something or, you know, mix it up with someone. Like if I see someone else, you know, not getting chippy, but you know, the competitiveness is coming out of them and, you know, they're kind of expressing their feelings, their emotions. Uh, you know, that's something I feed off too. Like I know I can sit up, I can say that, you know, other guys feed off that, but you know, I think that's just the human instinct. You see someone, you know, pouring themselves into the team, 
uh, showing emotion that, that that just, you know, makes you want to play harder, play for them. So um, I love it. I love it when we got guys that, you know, express it a little more than they usually do. Um, definitely, uh, you know, kind of keeps me going in terms of like a game. I feel like this is a good opportunity to ask you about what happened the other night against Indiana with the uh, little chicken wing to your face. Uh, can you just take us through that? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, what we, I can't remember if it was a dead ball. Maybe they had to call the travel or something. We had walked down to the other end. Um, and, you know, that's kind of just where I start the offense on that side of the floor, left side. So uh, I, I was kind of tired, just bent over, had my hands on my knees and, um, I guess we were kind of in each other's space there. Um, I, I, I think he thought I, you know, tried to hit him with my head or something. I don't know really what was he was thinking or what I was even thinking there. But next thing I knew, I kind of just saw an arm in my face a little bit, but it was nothing, you know, um, out of context. I don't think like it wasn't anything malicious that CJ had tried doing, um, there, there's no ill will towards one another at all or anything like that. Um, but and I think it's just something kind of within the game that, you know, emotions can get the best of people and even me sometimes. So uh, just trying to contain that as much as possible, you know, not trying to do anything stupid out there that's going to hurt my team in the long run. Are you guys familiar Max, with you? I'm sorry. Are you guys, do you know each other? Did you guys know each other before that at all? No, I, I, we, I don't know anything okay. about it. All right. Anything about him, but yeah, he he didn't he didn't really. I mean, you you know the video doesn't lie. You know, he, yeah, he didn't throw anything crazy like Ron Artest did to James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. yeah. Um, I just looked at it as kind of something within the game, but I don't know with you know official review and everything. Um, some of that stuff can play to your advantage sometimes, but just try not to retaliate. Um, you know, like I said, don't want to put my team in jeopardy. Max, I think they said on the broadcast of that Indiana game that, that Wisconsin's now scored 70-plus points, and I think it's 12 straight games, which hadn't been done since 1971. So yeah. we're sort of in uncharted territory here for people <laughs> of a certain age, including all of us. What do you think has been the biggest change? Obviously, you got AJ and, and personnel, but from a, a, a schematic standpoint, or what is helping this offense flow so well that this group is scoring at a pace like that? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think, you know, kind of using last year as motivation and using it more as a learning tool than we did, you know, get down on ourselves, say, man, we return a lot of the same guys, you know, last year we had this going on for us, you know, it could go the same way next year, you know, if like we think that, but I think that was a huge thing. And like the team's mentality, you know, after last season was the improvement we all wanted to make and, you know, the jump that we wanted to make going into this season, knowing where we wanted to be um, as a top, as a top contender in the big 10, you know, and trying to make a run late in March. So I think it was really just the growth um, that we kind of took this off season. That was a part of it. And, you know, just some different things that we do schematically, I think um, putting guys in a good position to get downhill, um, you know, continuity stuff that we've kind of thrown in and uh, tried to run just to get more movement, more ball movement, player movement, things like that. But um, I really do want to credit to a lot of the guys work that they put in, in the off season. Uh, you know, there's a lot you have to sacrifice if you want to, you know, get better individually, but there's even more you got to sacrifice if you want to, you know, get better as a team. Um, so I think, you know, just the sacrifices a lot of guys had to make this year 
uh, in terms of their body. Um, you know, if it's a role or something like that, um, everybody's willing to do whatever to get this team to win. I think that's just the biggest jump in terms of even a mindset that we've made since last season. I mean, just expecting a team to, to score over 70, like it's now just, it's become an expectation for you guys as a team. And I mean, that's, it's kind of crazy to say after some of the things that you guys went through last year, right. With some of the, the scoring droughts, um, I don't, I, I don't want to bring you down. I, but I, I felt like I, I do need to ask about it a little bit, the defense, um, where you guys need to get better on that end. I mean, there, there have been, what is it? It's one point per possession. That's the goal. Keep them under one point per possession. Um, I don't know if that's, uh, that's still the goal, right? Yep. Yep. How do you, how do you guys get back to consistently doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, you've seen it twice this year where it's kind of gotten a little out of hand. Um, or I mean, maybe even three times, uh, at Providence at Arizona and then at Penn state. Um, and it's really just the focus and the mindset going into it. Um, you know, like we've had really good defensive home games, against, you know, Marquette, um, you know, Chicago State was another good one for us, uh, Northwestern. But I think it's our ability to, you know, be mature enough when you get on the road, you get in a hostile environment. Um, you got to stick to what you do. You got to stick to your team rules, um, what you guys, what all five guys need to do on the floor together in order to get a stop. You know, all it takes is one guy to stray off or, you know, have a blip in the in the possession and, you know, they're scoring or at the rim or, you know, something's happening. So I think it's just the connectiveness as a group, um, kind of when we get in these hostile environments sometimes or just on the road in general when it can get a little rowdy. But I think it's truly just all five guys buying into it, uh, the game plan and, you know, what we got to do because you're going to have games. Like I'm going to tell you right now, there's probably going to be a couple games where we're not going to score 70 points or, you know, who knows, maybe not even 65. And it's going to be a matter of fact, If did you bring your defense on the road with you that night? Were you able to win a rock fight? Um, I think that's also super important is, you know, being able to win in different styles and fashions. Like, you know, we're not going to, like I said, we're not going to be able to outscore every team. You know, we're going to have, there's going to be tough shooting nights. There's going to be stuff, you know, in games where it doesn't go in around the rim, you know, so that's where I think, you know, the biggest step that this team needs to make is, you know, just buying in as a collective group, all five, you know, you got to want to play defense as bad as you want to play offense. So, um, and not saying that we don't have that right now, you know, I think it's just a matter of fact of doing it every possession for 40 minutes in a game, which is tough to do. It's tough to have that focus, but, you know, I think with the guys we have right now and, you know, the mentality that I talk about, um, we should be, we should be all right moving forward. We started out asking you about your performance against Indiana. I was interested in your perspective on your favorite shot that you made from the 20-point barrage that, that came in about four and a half minutes. My favorite shot? Yeah. Which of those that you made? Maybe. Um, I don't know. I love when I finish with my left hand around the rim. Um, it was either that one or probably maybe the AM13. I don't really even remember the last time I had an AM13. That might have been like the first one ever, to be honest with you. But <laughs> um, my favorite play was hitting Gilly on the transition when I was going to shoot. I was really going to shoot it too. Like there was no thought of really passing that thing, but um, kind of saw the big man renew came up and find the open guy. But, you know, I like, I like you know, finding guys like that, you know, more than even making shots. Like, 
having guys point at you, you know, seeing the other guys reaction and things like that. I think that's things that, you know, matters more than your individual success. So it was awesome. though. <laughs> that left hand finish was amazing. I, I don't know how it got over that. The guy that was coming to help. Um, I don't remember which one it was 51. I don't, I don't remember who, which, which guy was coming over to help, but he didn't. Yeah. He's he, he, 24. He was, he was looking up like, how did that just get over me too? Um, and, and, and it went in, it was pretty, it was a really, really good shot. You guys go to Minnesota Tuesday night. You're one of the few scholarship Wisconsin guys on this roster. Can you tell how much it means for a guy like Steven Crowell and Tyler wall and those guys to go back to Minnesota, Nolan winter to go back to Minnesota? Yeah. Like you said, you know, that's, that's kind of like our in-state rivalry game we got with Marquette. Uh, you know, you want to win it for those guys. Uh, you play that game for those guys to go back home and, you know, get to see their family. They'll probably have a little, little more people at the game just because, you know, that's obviously their hometown and where they're from. So um, you want to leave it all out there for them, you know, knowing what they got on the line, um, knowing how much this game means to them and things like that. So trying, you know, trying to keep it as, you know, one game at a time and, you know, treat it like just a normal game and like one game at a time type of mentality. But, you know, it means a little something when you get to go back home and play in front of your home state, uh, play in front of your people and everything. So you, you kind of got to play a little harder. Uh-huh. You know, it's got to mean something to you too that, you know, hey, this is a big game for these guys. It means a lot to them. So, you know, just going out there really playing for those guys. Yep, Wisconsin will go to Minnesota on Tuesday night. Badgers 6-1 and one in Big Ten play. Looking to get to 7-1 and one and staying in first place. Max Klesman, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Really appreciate Max Klesman jumping on the podcast uh, and seeing if he can keep it going. Wisconsin, again, goes to Minnesota on Tuesday night. We'll see if they're able to to keep it going. What do you think? Keep it going? Sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if they can. Uh, Jesse, we'll be back next week. Uh, again, we'll be at uh, Monkson Sun Prairie coming up here a little bit uh, later this week on Thursday night, as we usually are for our show, 6 to 7. Come out and see us. Come out and watch some basketball. Come out and watch some football this weekend uh, and at conference championship games. We love being at Monks every Thursday. All right, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.